Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And alongside me, we got David. Nightlight's horror virgin. The one and only. Also known as Nightly. And Freddy is taking a break. He deserves it. He very much deserves it. He's been very tired. He got a new internship. Hell yeah. He's digging it. But they are working his ass. So yeah, he needs they are. A break. <laughs> he needs a break. So we we demanded him to have a break. It's a twofer and today. Yeah, it is. It's just a twofer. Yeah, it's a twofer. It's a goodie. It's a goodie. It's a goodie. <laughs> but he's in our spirits. Rest in RP. We are a group of nights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question: Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over on patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. Now it's light with a what? Okay. I love it. Quick, straight to the point. My pleasure on Patreon. You have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks, it's also, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, continuing things with our Vacation Horror Month. This has already been a brutal month. Death trip. <laughs> Death trip. <laughs> um, this month has been insane. It has been. Uh, last week, we watched The Ruins. I'm so happy you you got through that. Wow, that was a week ago? That felt like a, like a, feels a so whole ago. summer ago. <laughs> that feels like three vacations ago. Yeah. But continuing things going with our month here, we're going to be talking about The Black Coat's Daughter. Before we get into thoughts, I do want to give a huge shout out to our lovely listener, Haley. This whole month, the rest of it, the beginning of it is completely dedicated to you. We love you. Thank you for being such a fantastic listener. You have been honestly of absolute delight to to speak with online and thank you so much for listening. Yay. So this whole month is dedicated to you. So thank you. Thank you. But first and foremost, for thoughts this movie could have been my cup of tea oh i put it on here for you did you really yeah there's a lot of aspects of it where i was like this can be a david film a davy film (laughs) as some may call it um i i didn't i i want to like it okay and i'm not saying i dislike it um i think there is definitely potential horror no i think I think it reached its potential and I think mm-hmm. it did a good job. Fair enough. I think it's more of a personal thing. Like, I actually think this is a good film. Okay. I think there are horror fans out there that would probably really appreciate this film. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it's, for me, I, I wanted more. Okay. And I think I'm saying that as a compliment. I wanted to see more. I wanted more of the movie. I wanted to see more of what was going on. Um, but this film respectfully doesn't rely on exposition to tell you what's going on. Right? right. Even when it comes to time jumps or anything like that, um, it, it's not in your face and it respects the viewer, which makes me respect the film. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I feel like a couple years ago, I would have liked this a lot more, mm-hmm. but I've gotten to the point where I like to see the spectacular in supernatural. I mean, shit. You got through the roots. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I, I have, I've gone into a place where I love the outrageous. Okay. Okay. And I could take that. That's why I'm saying it's a personal thing. I think this film is good and okay. I, I want to like it. Um, and I think I do. Because I wanted more. Yeah. Like I wanted the film to be longer. I wanted right. to keep watching. I wanted to see more avenues of different time frames and so on. Yeah. Um, 
it's a very different A24 film. Yeah, definitely. Well. Like, I feel like this is what our third A24 film we probably covered on the show. I think more than that. Uh, yeah, maybe more. Um, but <laughs> we covered over 80 or 90 movies now. But um, <laughs> with this movie, I... I'm with you. There are some things in the movie for me personally are a little lackluster, um, like the possession scene or the, not the possession, the exorcism scene. Yeah. I, I wanted so much more out of that. Um, that scene was very interesting to me towards the end and we'll talk yeah, about it later. We will. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to see more from the demon design. Sure. I think it's cool that it's silhouette kind of looked like a bunny to me. So it kind of <laughs> threw me off, but I saw what they were going for. Yeah. I, I, I I think they were trying to go for like a, like a, no, I don't even think that. I think like a hound of Anubis kind of thing. Like oh, I an, can see that, like an Anubis hound or yeah. something. Because those pharaoh dogs. Yeah, yeah, I think they're trying to go for something like that. I could totally see that. Yeah. Um, there's parts of this film that I very much respect. Yeah, I love that you don't really get any answers. A jackal. That's what I was thinking. A of. jackal. <laughs> jackal. That, that that's what they're trying to go for. A jackal. I could see it. Yeah, an Egyptian jackal. Yeah. yeah. There's parts of this film that I respect very much because. It's up to you to kind of decipher why things are happening. Right. And it really puts you in a place of an outsider's perspective of just observing. Right. And That's it's true. so fascinating. You And you get sprinkles of things like our character, maybe escaping a mental, um, um, sorry, excuse me. I'm, the word is on the tip of my tongue, but mm. uh, a place for those that are mentally ill. What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, gosh, now I'm blanking out. Like a psychiatric ward? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Um, but of course, like as a viewer, it's easy to see that, you know, this person may have some demons, but later on you question it. Sure. You question if once they're put in there, do they still have those demons? Right. And I mean, literally, like the, right. a demon. Yeah. Are they there? Um, because, and I, I can't wait for us to talk about it later, but I, I think... There's so much to interpret. You know? Yeah, I, that's the best way to put it. There's a lot to interpret throughout this film, and that's what I respect about it. It's not yeah. in your face about what's happening. You and I could have very different perspectives of what we watch and what played out. Right. And that's Absolutely. why I respect this film and think it's a good one. Um, but like I said earlier, for some reason, I just love the outrageous nowadays. And I think that's why I love The Ruin so much. That's that's completely fair. That, that That's completely fair. Because this one is a bit of a... It's it's not a, a I wouldn't say it's completely slow, but it is slow. It, it is it is a bit of a slow burn, but at the same time, there are some elements in there of, of you thinking like, okay, what's going on here? Like with the, with the names and the jumps, and because we got Cat Rose and Joan, mm-hmm. and we're just like, what's happening? Like who who are these people? Um, and it it it's very interesting, and I I, I do I do like a lot of what happens in this movie. Um, you know, the first 50 minutes I was waiting for something. Yeah. Yeah. You get like moments where you're supposed to interpret. Yeah. Interpret what is going to happen. But I think after the 50 minute mark is when this film, uh, really starts to shine. Punching you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, Whoa. Yeah. It kind of hits you with with something that you kind of don't expect. Yeah. Um, but, I feel like Oz Perkins does a really good job at trying to figure out what he wanted for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone, you probably are thinking like, okay, but this movie's not a vacation movie. They were like, what's going on? Why Even is this I on thought the list? That. And you did, I'm yeah. sure. And But here's the thing. They were supposed to leave on vacation. Oh. This is in the month of February. It's supposed to be spring break. Yeah. Gotcha. So, you know, it's, which 
the name of this movie is The Black Hose Daughter, but previously it was called February. When it was showing through um, festival circuits and things like that, this mm-hmm. movie was just called February because all the events that were happening were in February, in, including the time jumps also in February. Um, so, and also they're on a vacation. Well, not a vacation. They're on a trip to, to see their daughter's site, I guess, as well. But yeah, I mean, it, it, this is an interesting one where in the when I first watched it, I actually did not like this movie. Yeah, I could see that. And like, I, I thought it was just, I thought the, the slow was fine because I don't mind slow movies. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I felt like everything that happened was just so lackluster. And it wasn't until the second watch where I was just like, okay, I, I think I really dig this movie. I'm not, I don't adore this movie, but I yeah. do dig this movie and I do tell people about it. I agree it. with you. I, I, like you said the word lackluster, right? And I think, I kind of came to a similar point, but um, there is some appreciation in that from me because it's very much. it's so it feels very small town. It feels very isolated in location. Yeah. yeah, and because of that, um, whatever this is um, that is performing these killings, right uh, through the character of Cat, it it feels like it doesn't have an ultimate plan. It just wants to. Do, do what it's yeah. doing and enjoy itself. I have to say, Kiernan Shipka, right? Kiernan Shipka. She does amazing in this. I love, so yeah, I love her facial expressions. Perfect um, mannerisms. Yeah, just everything about her her portrayal of Cat. It's that is what really got me hooked in. Just That's seeing fair. the little changes in her her smile her smirks her her just little movements it, yeah. it it made the movie for me that's completely fair yeah like i said i very much enjoy this movie this is probably my fourth or fifth time watching this oh I, damn i really like this movie um and i just think it's it's pretty fun i think it actually might be maybe my second or third favorite movie on the a24 lineup okay and there's a lot of horror movies on that lineup then i yeah. think this might this definitely is my top three. Wow. Um, but let's go ahead and jump up into this. Let's do it. The Black Hills Daughter, also known as February, directed by Oz Perkins, released March 31st of 2017 in a runtime of one hour and 35 minutes with no budget found, but I can assume the budget was small. Yeah, I thought so too. Can You can kind of tell on that. It, it even feels below a million in my eyes. I could see that. I mean, we're really not playing with a lot of location. Yeah. Um, even blood. Like, yeah. like, even though it's very brutal scenes, like it's not like gushing or anything. Yeah. It's, it's, it felt very much, especially with like cuts to black or exactly. Uh, yeah. Like it's up to interpretation of what happened right. that saves a lot with budget. Exactly. Yeah. And, that, and I feel like this definitely worked in its favor. Mm-hmm. Um, but a box office of $38,300 with a rating of 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I personally think is a fair rating, but I probably would have rated this more in the 80s. Yeah, I think this movie definitely deserves a bit more. Okay, but we open with the haunting hymn of Black Coat's daughter, and I love this right off the bat. Fucking dig it! I love that <laughs> hymn. That hum, hum. yeah, like, that shit's great. Uh, one of our mains, Cat, is asleep in bed. The camera moves about uh, about outside the snowy landscape. Someone is moving about in her room. She wakes up, calling the dark figure, quote unquote, Daddy questioning that he came early in other shots she is walking with her dad asking him where the car is she comes up to a completely wrecked car with bloodstains accompanying accompanying the outside of it cat calls to her mom who we can see the hair of sticking out through the cracked window that looks great yeah it's brutal it it is brutal and like you can picture 
everything mm-hmm. in that one moment. Yeah. And I mean, do I think her parents actually were in a car crash? Yeah, I do actually. I, I genuinely think her parents did die. Um, and that's why they didn't show up. Yeah. First time viewing, right? It gets very confusing on what you're seeing here. Right. Especially with the cuts. You're opening with cuts going back and forth between the bedroom and this car crash scene. Exactly. Not only that, you have the film's title, The Black Coat's Daughter, and then you have... A man in a black coat. Yeah. And it's (laughs) very, very ambiguous of like who this person is, even though Kat is calling her dad, right? But then like you don't see this person's face. And it's weird. It's a weird scene of walking up to this car that's demolished and yeah. there's a dead body in there and that's it like that's, so yeah do you and remember do you how you see, felt like, the blood like trailing down on yeah the, on the like the windshield and everything yeah, like, it's the, brutal it's a brutal scene. do you remember what you thought when you first saw this moment um i do yeah i, I do remember thinking like what the fuck yeah like I, and i'm thinking like this movie's gonna be awesome like the, you know <laughs> like right off the bat i'm just like this movie's gonna be fucking nuts yeah and then it was slow and that's not like i said there's nothing wrong with it being slow but no, i thought it was all. just gonna be I just thought it was going to be a wild ride. If, especially if it opens up with that. Right. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, shit, this is about to be insane. And it gets there, in my opinion, but it just didn't, I just didn't feel that gusto until, like you said, a lot later. Yeah. Um, but, hey. Back with Kat in, in bed in the dark, looking over at a calendar of her counting down the days until February 22nd for her mom and dad to arrive. She goes over to the calendar, crossing out the 21st. Cut to Kat waiting for Father Brian, his secretary Don, interrupts him to tell, tell him that Kat is there to see him. He invites, he invites her in and offers her to sit down. Father Brian speaks with her briefly about her uh, recital and that he won't be able to see it. She asks where he will be. He shares that he will be in Albany for other matters. Kate, uh, Kate, Kat ret- uh, continues her question, asking how long it takes to get there, mentions a couple of hours by train. She sternly claims that it would be about the same time to come back. Father Brian asks if she is concerned about something. She tells him no, and that he wishes he could stay to see her performance. He apologizes. Kat asks when he, uh, when he will be back after the break, claiming that everyone will be doing the same. Kat looks into a corner of, her, of his office with a slight smile. Father Brian looks at her, asking if something is funny. Her attention turns back to him. She's confused and tells him no. He uh, notices he notices that she smiled a bit, but she doesn't remember doing that. She makes she makes up that she was thinking <laughs> she makes up that she was thinking to say that um, he hopes that he has fun a fun time in Albany. This I love is great. this moment. Yeah, it this is, is a great. Great moment. And this is why I said this could be my cup of tea. Yeah, because I I love moments like these. But I want to, I think I'm too aggressive when it comes to wanting to build off this. Like I want to do a complete 180 where it yeah. starts off slow and simple and suggestive. And then right. I want I want it to be in your face later on. You want the autopsy of Jane Doe. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I understand that's not everyone's taste. Right. And, and there's appreciation in not doing that all the time. Exactly. I, I do want to make that clear to everyone. Yeah. It's just a personal taste kind of thing. And that's, that's completely fine. Like, yeah. but like for example, The Witch. Mm-hmm. I'm personally not the biggest fan of The Witch. Got it. But I completely have so much respect for it. Like, I, I think it's just so very well crafted. But I'm also not a fan of Robert Eggers' uh, directional style as well. Because um, I wasn't the biggest fan of The Lighthouse either. But... um. It, I get that concept. It's just not my cup of tea. Like yeah. I just, I'm just not, I'm just 
not into that. Totally. I guess. Yeah. And we're not like, I'm sure you're bashing. Yeah. I have respect for both of those. I was going to say, I'm sure you're in, in agreement with me. I'm not saying that's bad or it's the wrong way to do it. It's just, uh, there's something I like better, but I could still appreciate this and enjoy it too. 100%. Like I very much enjoyed the witch and the lighthouse (laughs) and I very much enjoy this, but I actually really do like this. This moment uh, is amazing. This moment's so good. And also because like, (sighs) like we said earlier, it's suggestive. True. Not everyone will catch it. Right. Right. And that's the great part. Very true. Fade to another student, Rose, uh, coming into a classroom to get her picture taken um, for picture day. She angelically sits down, smiling for the camera, the camera shuddering and cutting to black. This also feels interesting. Okay. Like it feels like we don't know who, and I love, I actually love how this is crafted. It feels like we don't know who our protagonist is going to be. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, like, are we going to follow Kat? Are we going to follow Rose? Yeah. Then we switch to Joan. And I, I love that. And the whole concept is we're actually truly following all three of them mm-hmm. the whole time. The whole concept is literally that intertwine. What and I say all three, which we'll get to it later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, cut to Rose brushing her teeth. A girl leaving her alone in the bathroom. And I actually do love the style of the name pop ups. Yeah, when it shows like Rose, and, and it's kind of telling us their. Not their story, but like their perspective. Yeah, it also adds a lot of individuality to the film, in my opinion, in yes. its own style. Very because it's so. something so simple, but you don't really see it. Right. Very true. Rose is in Mrs. Pr- in Miss Prescott's nursing office getting her temperature checked. Rose claims to have a headache and that her throat hurts when she swallows. Miss Prescott plays along with the lie while Miss Drake hands her a cup of pills and water. Cuts to Rose smoking a cigarette and chatting with her roommate Lizzie about needing to tell her boyfriend that she's pregnant. Lizzie mentions that it is half his problem and, and that she has to tell him. Rose doesn't think that is necessarily true, sticking up for him. I mean, you don't have to tell them, but yeah. What? Let me ask you this very quickly. It's kind of random. It's pretty vague. Well, what year do you think this movie takes place in? So this is interesting because apparently they have cell phones. Yeah, but we saw, I think either, maybe it's Father Brian or another um, figure, authority figure in the school. Um, maybe the principal, or maybe yeah, or the headmaster. I think they. Well, called him. yeah, because I, I forgot if the headmaster and Father Brian are like two different characters or not. But yeah, Mr. Gordon, maybe one of them takes Gordon. out a flip phone. That is true, right? So I'm thinking, like, is this the mid 2000s? Is it early 2000s? That makes sense, but I just I don't think, know. I think it is supposed to be maybe mid 2000s to present day, probably. Um, Probably up to open to interpretation as well. Yeah, because like they also had like they say they say years have passed. Like I think I think nine years. Yeah. So with Good that point. with that nine year pass, like this definitely the portrayal is that this has to be like mid mid two thousands to now or yeah. something, or maybe old, late two thousands. A lot of now. old cars too. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, that that is a good thought though. I I do like to place what time frame I'm in totally when I'm looking at films. (laughs) The reason why I ask is because with Rose's thinking of, you know, taking the burden of, uh, her pregnancy. Sure. I feel like as years go on, um, younger kids, um, boys and girls are becoming more, um, they're being, 
taught more and more about the weight of the responsibility of uh, either sharing that or speaking to someone about that, whether it be an adult or someone you trust, right? And I feel mm-hmm. like this um, reaction uh, that Rose has about, I'll take care of it. Like it feels very, yeah. uh, very much attitude that you would see a lot in the 2000s. That's fair. I wonder if that is accurate for me to say, but eh, I don't know. That's a good thought. All the private school girls sitting in the auditorium listening to Mr. Gordon lecturing the students about their parents coming to the school. And the camera is just literally placed on Rose. Right? Yeah. Like we're not really looking at Mr. Gordon. We're just kind of looking at Rose's mannerisms during it all. Mm-hmm. They all lazily say that sounds good. The students' parents come to pick them up, Cat walking in the opposite direction from the crowd. She stops walking, shedding a tear as she stares out into the empty road. Meanwhile, and I love how we come back to this later. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rose is about to walk into a building before Lizzie stops um, Lizzie stops her to ask how she's feeling Rose tells her that she's fine Lizzie asking her uh, where her parents are she um, she likes that excuse me she lets her know that they are waiting inside for her and I don't truly understand why she lies to Lizzie yeah it's weird. even though Lizzie like totally knows that you're pregnant yeah maybe she didn't want Maybe she didn't want Lizzie to know that she was taking her advice. Maybe. Because Lizzie was like the one, like, you should totally tell him. Yeah. And that's why she's sticking behind so she can tell him. Yeah, maybe. It is confusing Uh, why she would lie to her. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was an interesting choice. Lizzie smiles, saying that she will see her next week then. Kat is uh, playing the piano for the recital and singing a song. Rose comes up to a group of her friends, one of them handing her a packet of cigarettes as they continue to watch Kat perform. Kat stops playing for a moment, looking out into the crowd at an empty seat before singing again. I actually love the casting of the shadows of everyone on the wall Mm -hmm. because it feels like someone's actually there. Yeah. Like, it's such an eerie thought. This film does a really good job with controlling its lighting. Yes. Playing with shadow. Goddamn. And it uses it in all the appropriate moments. I agree. I really enjoy Perkins' film style. Like, I really like it. He has this kind of same concept in Gretel and Hansel Mm -hmm. as well. So, like, I really, really love his film style. It's really great in this. Really, really good. Cut to both Cat and Rose sitting in Mr. Gordon's office, him hanging up his phone when he doesn't get an answer from one of their parents. He asked Cat if she checked her phone to see if her parents called. And I think that's where the concept of like a cell phone maybe come into play here. Yeah. She shares that she doesn't have one. He sympathizes with her about uh, them possibly getting stuck in traffic. And it's interesting because she's like, I don't have one. They yeah, were supposed to give me one. Maybe for they, my birthday. For my birthday, yeah. And that's why I'm thinking it's the 2000s. Because yeah. Like, nowadays, dude, like a six-year-old will have a fucking that's iPhone. Fucking true. Yeah. yeah. Not mine. Uh, Gordon <laughs> turns into... into you say that now. Uh, well, she's in kindergarten? Nah. Nah, you better ask your teacher. Gordon turns into his attention uh, to Rose about, uh, asking about her parents not being there. She thought they got out on Friday, so she told them to come on Friday. He asked if they were... If if she was able to reach them, she claims that she was, but it may take a day or so for them to change their plans. And we know at this point, this is Wednesday, yeah. right? So Wednesday, they were supposed to be getting picked up uh, by their family. And so her saying a couple of days or so, she's just like, yeah, it still sounds like it's going to be Friday. Like <laughs> bad move, Rose. Uh, Prescott. Yeah, seriously. Prescott and Drake are standing in the room. Gordon sharing that they will still be there. I mean, it is a bit odd to start a ho- like a break on in the middle of the week. 
Yeah, it is. That's a bit odd. Maybe it's a boring school thing. Maybe. Uh, he uh, used, I'm even trying to think, like, did we have, like, days like that at Catholic school? I don't, I don't think we did. But uh, he uses Rose as an example of Cat asking for her to look after a cat until her parents arrive. I hated this. That was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but again, maybe it's a boring school kind of thing. Maybe, I, well, obviously, she she definitely is, has seniority over her. She was she's she's literally a third senior, year, I think, or oh, thing she said. Okay. Thought, versus Cat being freshman. Yeah. So I assumed she was a senior for some reason, but I could. I think I just assumed that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Karen and Shipka definitely does look very young here. And I think Karen and Shipka is really young. I think she's only like 22. Yeah, she's young. Yeah, so she does look very young here. And this was 2017. So I can assume she was maybe 17 when this was filmed. Uh, Lucy Boynton. Did I say her name correctly? I think so. Yeah, okay. Lucy, Bo- Lucy she Boynton. She looks Boynton? Um, a lot older. Right? She does. In this role. So she does. I think it's a good contrast for the two of them. Like, I agree. With... Um, her looking younger and her looking older, yeah. right? It really, uh, it really plays off that. Uh, so you're gonna watch over her now. And that I makes think sense. If you really think about that concept, it gets so it's so fucked up for it what is. comes. It is. Yeah. It's very fucked up. Like, <laughs> she makes the excuse that she's uh, uh, isn't feeling very well. He accepts it, asking Prescott to call Cat's dad in a couple of hours. He asks for her. He asks for her understanding. She takes a moment, then he asks again, and as she responds, that she understands. And this is Cat, by the way. Cat uh, is on the phone, leaving a very awkward voicemail for her dad. She hangs up the phone, and they set up the dinner table. Cat notices something on her table moving the spoon in the in the correct position they sit down to pray over their meal rose is getting ready to go out cat standing at the at, at the door watching her she tells cat that she isn't babysitting her cat reminding her that gordon said that she was supposed to stay with her rose mocks her cat asking where she is going she tells her that she was that she is going nowhere but if the sisters ask about her then she um, to tell them that she still isn't fi- feeling well rose then shares a morbid story about the sisters not having any hair on their body Cat doesn't believe her, but Rose continues about Jen Darling's sister. Well, it's like Jen Darling's sister's cousin boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, Jen Darling's sister. Uh, oh God, I lost my spot. Me joking around and shit. <laughs> Walking in on them one night worshiping the devil, and it's so interesting because like you can kind of tell like Cat's eyes kind of light up when she says it. Like it's like yeah. oh, like, it's not like I, really? I think if I remember correctly, she she randomly says, "How do you know?" Yeah. Right. And it, it, it feels it feels like she's pressuring her. Oh, it almost it doesn't feel like she's following up with the story that Rose is sharing. Yeah. It's more so like she's talking to someone else. That's what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love it. It's it's really good um, acting on 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 that part. Yeah. And um, we and I guess we do see later that she is looking at something yeah. else. But what I like is that it the clues are there for you to think that's the case already. That is very true. And I appreciate that because yeah. I love that when you do see it later, it's more so of validation. That's true. Yeah. That's very like, true. Oh, it's like, you if you thought that, good on you. Yeah, you exactly. Right, you know? Yeah. Because it's, it's very true. Like, it, it, it does feel like she is talking to someone else. It doesn't feel yeah. like she's reacting to her story. Do you know if there's any significance um, when it comes to um, the hair? Like, she was talking about the hair not being on their body. Um, I, the only thing I can think of are, are like, like witches, oh. like, like kind of like a crone 
Got it. Okay, that you makes know? more sense. Like, I was like, what is the point of sharing that they have absolutely no hair on their body? Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. It's like the crone witch. Yeah. Um, but other than that, not not much. Like, the, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of because it's just like it sounds like a Suspiria reference or something like okay. that. But um, I thought you mean yeah. no. Yeah, no, I, that's the only thing I can think of. It, I think that makes sense, honestly. Yeah. Kat doesn't believe her, but uh, Rose continues with about... Oh, I already said that. She asks Rose who um, who told her that. Rose gets up, ignoring the question, but telling her to not come into her room and touch her shit. And it's interesting because she gets up and like she's frightened. Yeah. Like she gets up like, that was fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, so like it, it's, it's so interesting. Like... <laughs> Like she's literally having another conversation with someone else in that room as Rose is speaking with her. Mm -hmm. It's fucking genius. It's awesome. That's so good. Uh, She meets up with her boyfriend, Rick, getting into his car, Kat watching from the window above. Kat goes back into Rose's room, grabbing her hairbrush, inspecting it before sitting sitting it back down, then grabs her school photo, rubbing her picture. The phone in the hallway rings. We cut to black. Jump to a woman named Joan, walking past a bus a bus to head inside the terminal. She goes into the bathroom, gathering her composure as she stares her, stares at herself in the mirror. She thinks back at the time um, at a psychiatric hospital while taking off her hospital bracelet. At a payphone, she tries to call the number that no longer is in service. What number do you think she was trying to call? I think she was trying to call the school. You think so? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That makes sense. She seems very much... I mean, later on, we see gravitated towards... The yeah. school, right? She she literally feels as like this force to bring her back over yeah. there, which um, I got some theories about. I do too. So I, well, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued to get there. Yeah, I'm I, definitely intrigued to get there. I think there. we'll be on the same page. Yeah. I, I'm excited that you said that. Yeah, I got some theories about <laughs> but that. I also think you're right of of it being the school because later on we see the school has been shut down. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, hanging up the phone, Joan grabs a map finding the Bramford in, in Portsmouth area. Cut to her waiting outside in the cold on a bench, a car that is running in the distance. A man named Bill comes up to her, comes up to her in the terminal, noticing Joan sitting in, on the bench. He checks to see if she's okay. She nods her head, but he asks if she is uh, if she is waiting for someone. If and if he and his wife Linda can give her a lift somewhere. Now, Bill scared me. Bill is scary. Yeah, he 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 seems. Okay, he seems like a man who prays. Yes, big time. Like and he I was seems thinking, like a hunter. Prince, why didn't you give me the skip? <laughs> I literally kept thinking that. Even when this film opened, I thought that. But I was like, no, I know it's not gonna. Nothing like nothing no. that scares me to the point of not watching the film will happen because you didn't write in our in our notes. David, you could skip. Nope, I didn't. I didn't. Although this is the first month where I gave you two. Yeah, I know. That you could skip. But you didn't skip one. I didn't skip one. Fuck. Yeah. Goddamn impressed. There's still one more coming up. So. There, There is still one more for sure. Um, she asks where they are headed. He tells her that they are going to head east. Joan mentions that she is going to Portsmouth. He kindly tells her that the, uh, he knows the area. Commenting that his wife is waiting in the car, then introducing himself. I didn't believe she, him. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like, think about, you know, uh, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with this story, but you might be. Um, but, like, that whole concept of, like, oh, they have a baby in the car. Yeah. They're, they're fine. Yeah. You know, like, I, I can or trust their them. wife. He's with a woman. Right. Like, like oh, 
Yeah. I could trust him. Totally. Like dude. he's a wholesome man. Yeah. Well, um, the it, reason why he said I didn't believe him because this film does a really good job. It shows the shot of the car, but it's far it's away. It's super far away you, in the distance. And the headlights are on. You can't see anything Anyone in the car. The, exactly. Yeah. He like, could be it, lying it's or that person can be a partner to help, you know? Exactly. Um, but another thing where I thought, what year is this? Because that I was feel an like, old car. What was that? That was an old car. <laughs> Not only that, but um, again, as time goes on, I think uh, women are less inclined to get help from strangers, like entering a car for oh, a ride sure. versus if we're looking at a, not only just like two decades or one decade ago, but even like, if you think about like the seventies and so on, like people are always, I'm like, Oh, you give me a lift. Sure. Like, That's you know? fair. As time has gone on, I think it's with accessibility to the internet and all of us communicating stories. You hear more and more scary truths of yeah. reality. Right? right. So I think, I think in the 2000s versus the 20s, crazy to say, uh, <laughs> you're not going to see a, a, a young girl hop in a car with a, a nice gentleman, right? That's fair. But Cat doesn't seem all there. <laughs> I mean, not Cat, sorry. Joan, Joan doesn't seem all there. Yeah, jo- Joan definitely seems odd. Yeah. Definitely seems odd. Like she, she's slow to answer. She just does not make eye contact, looks down. But right. I think that could also be a response to this stranger danger male coming up to her and exactly. trying to help her out. Yeah. And I, what I was actually going to bring up was uh, The West. Have you heard of them? No. Fred and Rose West, I believe her name was. Doesn't ring a bell right now. It's a very brutal story. Do not look it up. Okay. Um, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. Uh, <laughs> but it pretty much was this couple yeah. that literally did this. Yeah. I've actually heard their, I've like heard of a lot of couples that abduct and it, it's, do worse. It, and, there, there's a lot of, of stories out there, like the Hounds of Love in Australia and, and the, the West that were in. And the West were by far, I mean, they're all horrible, but by far probably one of the most brutal. Like, it, it's like a very traumatizing story. I, th- I think I may have heard of it. They're in England? No. If that, if that rings any bells? No. Okay. U.S. Yeah. for... Another for the one that you're, yeah, no, th- th- these two are in England, and um, may they both rot in hell. Bill brings her back to the car. Linda asking what's he doing. He just bluntly claims that she, uh, he's trying to help while helping her into the backseat of her car. Bill gets into the driver's seat. Linda, um, Linda stating that they will drop off Joan at the next gas station. Joan doesn't say anything. She notices the bouquet of flowers in the back of the of this of the car. When he drives off, showcasing the Branford's uh, sticker on their bumper. Did that ring any bells for you? Where you're just like, oh, they have a connection, or like, because like I felt like that was really on the nose, but it was also at the same time very off the cuff. I agree with you. Like I think you said it perfectly because. I more so was like, okay, what is the connection? Right. Why is the film showing me this? And who is Joan? Who are these people? Right. Right? Yeah. And it, it, that was beautiful. Getting yeah. a separate actress for this. Yes, I agree. That was beautiful. Yeah. That was so well done. What I like is that it it has you wondering. It yeah. Again, it insinuates, it suggests yeah. things to you. 
but you waited out for the validation. Yeah. I will admit, I do think Kiernan Shipka's performance was a bit better than... Wholeheartedly, uh, yeah. yeah. And Emma Roberts, right? Emma Roberts, uh, yeah. Before the show, um, listeners, I was making a... Uh, not a joke, but I was telling... <laughs> I was telling Prince that I never remember Emma Roberts' uh, name, but I always call her Unfabulous. <laughs> because <laughs> of a show sense. she did... <laughs> <laughs> called Unfabulous. I, I I almost called her by her aunt's name, Julia Roberts. Oh. Uh, but no. Julia Roberts is her aunt? Yeah, that's her aunt. What? <laughs> <laughs> Mind blown. Nightlight, a horror movie podcast, the place where you come to learn. Uh, Fade to black the car with Rose and her boyfriend pulling up to the school. They are both silent towards each other. Rick turning off the car, Rose unbuckling her seatbelt. He tells her to call him later, but she doesn't have her phone. He asks if, quote unquote, that's it. Rose tells him to stop saying that and then she will take care of it. Rick asks for him to, uh, uh, Rick asks for her to um, drive her. Oh, excuse me. No, I think I wrote that wrong. Rick asks for her to drive her there, but she tells him no. Um, all he can, all he can say is for her to be careful and it is exactly the, and it is exactly what she does not want to hear. Men are trash, dude. What? <sighs> this dude like had no fucking clue. Yeah. Like I I get it you're young, but what? Yeah. Like come on. Yeah, dude. I'll drive you there. Dude, again. That's exactly what she totally wants to fucking hear, my guy. Simply put, men are trash. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Rose goes uh, back inside the, the school cautiously walking up the stairs. She checks in on Cat's room, but she isn't in her bed. Rose goes to the bathroom, drying her face with uh, with whispering, quote-unquote, idiot to herself as she stares at herself in the mirror. She is startled by a sound coming out from the vent, overhearing Kat talking through the vents. She waits a bit longer and hears the muffling voice again. Weirded out, she focuses and listens a bit more, hearing more thumping noises outside of the bathroom. Rose opens the door, looking down the hall, the indistinct voice speaking yet again. She opens the door to the stairs, getting closer to the voice, carefully going down the stairs, following the soft creaking noises coming from behind another door. Cracking the door, she hears the muffled voice much louder this time. Rose calls for Cat no answer she um, so she heads inside the basement hallway turning on the light she moves closer to where cat is speaking somewhere in the building she comes across cat worshiping a furnace as she violently leans back and forth to bow this at is the furnace. Intense. i love the bowing it's so fluid and satisfying to look at but it at the same time like so unsettling. That's creepy. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah, it does. This looks so great. And that's why I think Kiernan Shipka's performance is so much better than Emma Roberts. So do you think that's her doing the movements? I do, but I think that's with a little bit of camera magic too. Yeah. Okay. Like I, it, cause it, it felt like it's a jitter. It's, yeah. I was wondering if there was some visual effects going on here and, but and, I, and possibly not. You yeah. Know? She might just be able to make her body jitter like that. If that's the case. Wow. Yeah. Cause that's, like, it's just it, it's such a, a very well done and unsettling performance, and I think Emma Roberts does a good job. Don't get me wrong. Um, She's I just, a good actress. Yeah, yeah. She she definitely does a really good job in this, but I just felt like Emma Roberts more so came off as she was sick, and Kiernan Shipka came off as she was possessed. You know what? Put a pin in that because I want to talk about that later. Okay. All right. And I think because you said that, I think Emma Roberts may have done this her role as. Joan perfectly. 
Okay, but you might be right. We'll talk. I about think. It. I think. I think. Now I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm teasing. Understanding where, where you're coming from. Cut to Joan waking up on the motel bed. She looks around a bit, noticing a note from Bill saying, "Quote: Thought I should let you sleep." End quote. She takes a sip of the water that was uh, that was left in a cup next to her bedside. Joan spots her purse. She dumps the contents on the bed before heading into the bathroom. Inside the bathroom, she takes off her clothes, looking at a bullet wound and remembering when she was shot. And I was like, "What?" Yeah, me too. I was like, what is, what? <laughs> when are we going to explore that? <laughs> what? She takes a shower, thinking of, thinking back to her past situation. Done with her shower, she is putting on her towel, startled by someone knocking on the door. She goes to check on the door, nervous stammers as she asks who is there. It is Bill, asking to come inside the room. She allows him to, she allows him into the room. She still is in her towel. Um, he Creepy. asks to see, yeah, and I was like, I was like, dude. As soon as you should have seen her in her towel, you should have been the gentleman here. Yeah, and, be and like, been oh, like, I'll come, like back. "I'll come back later." Yeah, go ahead and finish up. I'll come back later. I think the film is trying to play on us worrying yes. if he's a predator, right? Exactly. Yeah, with which the first it very scene much felt this. that way. It did. It yeah. very much felt that way because, like, even though he was shocked, he stayed. Yeah, and it was where he sat down. Yep. Like he got comfy. Yeah. It was odd. It was odd. And. We could talk about it's it later, scary. but I think he, and we don't know how old Joan is, right? No. I, I, for a while, I was thinking she was the same age as Kat and Rose. Um, that's fair. And I mean, that, and that's why I think this is a perfect casting here. Yeah, totally. And I, it seemed in retrospect, it seems like Bill didn't see Joan as a woman. But more so as, as a girl, a, a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he definitely saw her as as, as a kid, as yeah. a teenager. Um, it very much reminds me of the perspective of our our antagonist inside of Ten Cloverfield Lane, mm-hmm. of yeah. how he felt with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character. Yeah. So it very much that makes a lot. Yeah, that's a good um, not a la- analogy, but a comparison, I guess. Yeah, because yeah. like I mean, he also seemed like he was attracted in some ways, but he was more so just attracted. And with you know the fact what? Maybe with good. characters like that. Um, it's portrayed and the energy feels like that because it wants to portray the internal confliction that there yeah. could be that they're in denial of, right? Makes total and sense. There's a whole, that's a whole episode on its own that we could do. <laughs> Very true. Um, you know the director actually listened to that episode? No way. Yeah, yeah and he loved it. That's an honor. Yeah, he hit me up and he was like, he was like dude, you guys nailed it. This was fucking awesome. Thank wow. you. Wow, thank so, you. Yeah, shout out to Dan. Um, he asks he asked to see how she is doing. She just sighs and sits on the bed. Bill takes a seat across from her, telling her that she slept for four hours in the backseat of the car. She apologizes. He tells her that she doesn't have to apologize because he's happy to help. She asks why is he helping her so much. He asks her if she believes in God. She bluntly tells him no and then looks away. He continues his question on to see if she ever tried searching for God. She looks down, biting her jaw as she continues how he finds how he found or how he finds God, saying that he finds him in little coincidences, that she reminded him of someone that he hasn't seen in a long time. And that uh, since her coincidence was that she was going to Portsmouth, he felt that he saw God inside of her. She looks up at him, asking if he's going there too. He isn't, letting her know that he, that they're going to Bramford, asking if she, if she knows the town. She looks back down, asking when do they leave, him asking what is the hurry, she asks where is his wife. Bill mentions that she is sleeping, sort of oddly asking why. She doesn't say anything and gets up saying that she that they hopefully can get out of there in the morning. He invites her to, to have some dinner at the restaurant next door before leaving out of the room. And I love this scene, though. 
I think okay. You know what I wonder? I wonder if Emma Roberts is um, portrayal of her clenching her jaw when she's being asked these things. Mm-hmm. I wonder like the, if that the, was her own interpretation of the character, right? Because I thought that was genius. I thought it, they're beautiful. Yeah, um, very well done. Which is why I even had to put it down. Yeah, because like it was so noticeable. Like, it you was. Could tell she was really crunching yeah, down on her and jaw. it made me want to look away. You know what? As and I say this all the time, but as we discuss this film. <laughs> I'm liking it more and more. Me too. I think like, this is know, a, I, like I think this film is just so well done. Yeah, I think this is a film that really lends itself well for a second or a a, a watch through multiple times, a second time after the first because yeah. you really start to understand what's going on and you see the intricacies of like what was planned for this story, right? right. Because this moment right here, you really start to understand why this jaw clenching, for example, is happening, yeah. uh, and it's really fascinating. And I think. I don't know why I get the vibe that like this is how Emma Roberts portrays Joan in this situation. And if that was her own like addition with that claw, claw jaw clenching, excuse me. No worries. I applaud her. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. And we'll, we could, we'll talk about it later. We definitely will. We Maybe definitely post-show. will. Like I, I even really like the fact that even when he asks, because I didn't even think about this until now, but when he asks like, uh, why with his wife? Because like it, at first it seems seductive. Yeah, it when he did. asked that, I'm glad we're on the same page. With and that. when she is asking, and she like ignores the why, and she's like, "I hope we leave in the morning." Yeah, and it's her getting excited. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that makes so much more sense because now she's something's coming to fruition for herself where yeah. she's she's now starting to get a little bit more excited. Like, I hope we leave tomorrow. Yeah, like. I, you know, I, I now officially know I found the right people. Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's just, I love that. Oh man. Cut back to Bramford boarding school as they take a message from our sponsors. And we're back with Rose speaking with Kat in the shower about how much trouble she can get in. Kat doesn't say anything, turning off the shower, Rose offering her a towel. They are back in Kat's room, Rose asking what she was doing down in the furnace. Kat is quiet as Rose continues asking her if she sleepwalks. And Kat looks horrible now, right? Like Kat looks absolutely ill. Yeah. And it is... I would say. Yeah, drain's a perfect word. Like something took over her or she was up all night. Or hasn't slept or rested in days, right? Right. Like she feels absolute... Like she looks absolutely exhausted. Yeah. It looks great. It does. Kat just says, "Uh uh-huh. Rose continuing her question about her parents calling her. She lies down in bed looking sickly, telling Rose that her parents aren't coming. (laughs) Wow. Rose mentions that they just got confused like her own parents. Kat comments that she told her parents not to come so she could go on a date. Rose says that it wasn't a date, but doesn't share the reason why she told her parents not to come. Kat reminds her that Gordon said to look after her and that their parents will be there by Friday, but now it is too late. Too late for what, Rose asks. Kat bluntly comments that they are dead. Rose, now scared, tells her not to say something like that. She ignores Rose, telling her that she smells pretty. <laughs> what? Fuck! Rose gets up, telling her to go to bed that their parents will be there on Friday. She asks if there is anything that she can uh, that she can get Cat. Cat telling her no, that she had her chance. Wow. Yeah, this I watched the scene twice. Really? Yeah. So I we, love this scene. 
I do too, and I don't know why. <laughs> uh, it's weird, right? Because I feel like there's tension here, but I don't feel like it's. Cat doesn't seem all there, right? We've we've been sharing that. Yeah. Um, and Rose knows something's now something's up. off. Like she's like now scared of her. Yeah. And she's always felt uncomfortable around her. You can tell. But now she's officially scared of her. Yeah, because she's talking about how her parents died. Yeah. And and she'll throw a smirk in there randomly. Right. Um, and just the random, like how you can, I think Rose is very thrown off and creeped out because she goes from she's just speaking about her parents being dead and then saying, you smell pretty, right? Yeah. Not only is that creepy, but like the the contrast between the sentences is uh, very off-putting. 100%. And the reason why I rewatched the scene was because as Kat says, Rose smells pretty, Rose turns towards the hallway, starts walking out, and turns around. And I don't think this is in, uh, the intent from the film, but it seems like Kat moves like a millisecond or moves like just a millimeter like back into bed as if she was about to get up to go towards Rose. Oh. But she turns around and then she kind of like does a really quick back in the bed. It's mm. like a slight, slight movement. And I think it's just my interpretation, but sure. I think this film allows for that. And then she smiles. She's like, oh, you almost caught me. <laughs> At least. Yeah. And, and it, it feels very playful. Yeah. No, that's true. That, that yeah. makes total sense. I don't think I caught that, but yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I don't sense. think it's actually there, but that's okay. just the energy. Of, that's how I would like it to interpret it. I mean, it's personally. a very uncomfortable scene. Exactly. It's very uncomfortable. So, I, you know, it could be your brain just trying to piece something together. Yeah, probably. Rose makes it back to the room, blocking her door with a chair. I do not fucking blame her. Uh, meanwhile, Kat is on her own bed, comforting her, uh, contorting her body until her legs uh, reaches up to her head like a scorpion. It's it's a quick cut too. Once yeah, it happens, like, yep. like it's, it's very like bone chilling the way this happens. Yeah. It's really nice. You know what? I need to add this in. Yeah, because in the beginning of the episode, I said I love the outrageous, right? And this is one of those moments where like. It cuts to black right when the contorting happens. And I'm like, let me let me get more of that, right? Mm-hmm. But again, I feel like this always happens. But as we discuss this film and go through it, I'm like, you know what? No, it's just craftfully this. done. It's different. Yeah. It, it has its, its uniqueness, its individuality. And it. I think this film, once you've watched it and either you analyze it again or watch it again, you appreciate just how quick and like every, everything happens and like, how it respects you and, yeah. and as far as how you take the story in. It's That's cool. completely fair. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Cut to Joan meeting Bill for dinner. She sits down in the booth with him. Bill offers her Linda's extra coat for the weather. Um, he then asks about what's in Portsmouth, thinking her parents are there. She tells him no and dryly says that someone is there. He chuckles, then speaks about the restaurant and all on all the time they they would spend there with her daughter. Sharing that Joan reminds him of his daughter and that they lost her nine years ago. He claims that they are doing okay and it gets easier each year except for this time of the year when they go to lay flowers on the anniversary. Bill pulls out a picture of his daughter looking at her for a moment before showing Joan. She looks at it and it is a a picture of Rose. She just stares at it intensely commenting that she's pretty. (laughs) The waitress comes by asking if they're ready to order. Joan excuses herself to go into the bathroom. Inside of a stall, she chuckles a bit, covering up her laughter with her hand. She leaves out of the stall, fixing her hair in the mirror. A quick flash to Joan actually choking the real Joan. 
with the belt and um and taking her license away from her. Crazy. Now we know this character is not named Joan. Exactly. We now officially know that Joan is Cat. Well, we not don't we don't technically officially know, but not yet. But I you think, have suspicions. Yeah, I think you have suspicions leading up to this that Joan doesn't seem like she should be Joan, right? Right. And I think there is enough there for you to assume is this an older cat? Right. Right. And yeah. for me, it was that moment where I'm like, this is this is her. It's got to be. This yeah. is cat. This is cat. And after breaking that, you know, it's been nine years. Yeah. And showing that photo of Rose. Uh, it's enough to put the pieces together. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I love the fact that she chuckles. She goes it's to creepy. the bathroom to laugh. It's like, what are the odds? Right. I think that's the like epiphany that she has. And I think what makes this even better is what Bill says when he's alone with her in her room. When you he remind says, me like, of someone? Not you remind me of someone. I see God in you. Oh, because of yes. little coincidences. Yes. And she had every ounce of a coincidence that happened to her. Yeah. And like for her, it's like, it's like, oh, well, this is, you know, for me, might be my God trying to pull me towards you. Yeah. The irony of saying, I see God in you, yeah. Joan. Fucking rules. Yeah. Wow. She leaves out of the bathroom, stopping when she sees Bill taking, uh, talking to a cop. She looks over at the, at the steak knife that is on his plate for a moment before heading over to Bill. He tells her that there is going to be a bad storm and that they actually need to get on the road now. He tells her to grab the food and meet him in the front. Linda is waiting in the car with fake Joan, Linda not looking at her, asking what Bill told her, asking if he told her about their daughter. Joan doesn't say anything as Linda continues knowing that Bill... Uh, uh, knowing what Bill said, Linda starts crying as she, as she knows Bill saying that Joan reminded reminded him of their rose. Did you have something to say? I'll save her for later. Okay. Still quiet. Linda continues that he tries to say that to everyone, but she never sees it and um, knows that it isn't true. Yet, still sometimes she tries to see her daughter and other people. She shares a story about her being in a grocery store when she saw a 15-year-old uh, girl that reminded her of Rose. Um, and I'm not going to go into the details of the monologue because the monologue was honestly fucking mastercraft. Um, but yeah, uh, it was just a lot in the monologue. But yeah, like just know uh, what's her name? Uh, Lauren Holly fucking nailed that. Like just destroyed that. Linda inhales and exhales sharply, then looks back at Joan, commenting that she doesn't look anything like their rose and that it is strange that she can't see her at all. That's interesting, right? I love it. Bill comes back in the car right after that. What do you think when she says that? I think she she always had her suspicions about Joan or fake Joan, older cat, whoever you want to call it. And I think she's always kind of been suspicious, not in the in the form of like, like, oh, my God, you're going to kill us or oh, my God, you're the person who slaughtered my daughter kind of thing. I, mean, I think it was just more so the fact that for her there is no one who can ever replace her daughter. Yeah. But you know what? I thought about it. They must, Bill and Linda must have seen who, who did that to their daughter. Right. Or how, like, like how, how they speak about how they, like they lost their daughter. Mm -hmm. And if someone took their daughter's life, the authorities must have showed them who it was. Right. Now that's a, that's a great thought. Because I agree. Yeah. But, you know, that was a long time ago. Right. 
And on top of that, you know, like, who would have thought that they would even see this person ever again? Exactly. You know? Like, nine years is a long time. It's a long time. They're going ham out there. Fireworks. <laughs> doing fireworks. I, you guys probably can't hear any yeah, of that. You guys but yeah, they're doing like fireworks like crazy outside. Rose wakes up looking at the door. She opens it, noticing noticing Cat on the phone outside their room. Cat hangs up the phone. Rose asking what they say. She comes up to Rose telling her that he said that it was all right. Rose is confused. Asking what's all, what's all right and who's and who's he. Cat continues that she um, that she can she can't live there but she can live with him. Rose asks who he is yet again, Cat commenting that she knows uh, she knows who, but Cat doesn't. She says Mr. Gordon, silly, <laughs> with a dry smirk as she um, calls him the headmaster. She moves a little closer to Rose telling her that she smells pretty as Rose <laughs> stares at her with absolute fear in her eyes. <laughs> Cut to Rose getting out a spoon from uh, from a drawer full, uh, full of knives. Why would you put a spoon in there? Um, to take uh, to the dinner table to uh, Drake and Prescott. Um, they are all praying except for Cat, who is start who is just staring downward. Prescott calls um, calls her as she notices that she is that she isn't praying alongside with them. Cat politely but sarcastically acknowledges that nothing is wrong. Prescott tells her to repeat grace with them. Cat whispers, "Quote, dear Lord, thank you for this meal that we have placed in front of us." She scoffs but continues. Quote, and for which we are truly, end quote. Prescott calls her once more. Cat stops and gets up off her uh, from her chair and starts throwing up on the table. I saw it coming right in, in the beginning when Cat is staring at Rose. I'm like, they're going to ask her to do grace and she's going to fucking vomit or something. Yeah. Now, at least I thought that would be great. And it happened. It happened. And I, that was great. I that was just, perfect. I loved seeing it because I'm like, this would be so great if this happened, and it did. So yeah. it's very satisfying. But like, uh, I love the look on Kat's face, the smirk, how she thinks this is such a joke. Right. This is so funny to me. Yeah. Right. And then, but when she's prompted by Prescott and uh, Drake to to say grace, her body rejects it. Right. That's awesome. It it looks great. Yeah. Like this is this is such a plentiful moment. That I doesn't rely like. on exposition. Exactly, right? it like, respects you. Like it really, and your intelligence. It, yeah, exactly. It's really saying like, like to the to the viewer, hey, I hope you understand this. If so, fantastic. Yeah. If not, still great. I hope this creeps you out. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, and and it is it is a very eerie moment in mm-hmm. general. But mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Like I mean, the fact that her body repels it. Yeah. back and it's just a. Literally comes Genius. out of her mouth, right? right? Yeah, it's it's great. They're checking on Cat. Uh, Rose asking if Gordon called. Prescott asks why would he call. Rose wondering if Cat's parents are okay. She tells her, of course they are. As Drake tries to hand her a cup of water to drink, Cat doesn't accept it, yanking her hand back and telling her to get her hands off of her, calling her a slur. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna repeat it. Um, but I think it's awesome when the voice does change at this moment, mm-hmm. like kind of deepens. That's some of the outrageous that I like, right? Yeah, um, exactly. But it's sprinkled in there. It's very tasteful. Exactly. I yeah. agree with that. Everyone is shocked at what she what she just said. Cat staring at her with a slight smile as um as a tear runs down her face. As excuse me, as a tear runs down her face. Oh my this God. is genius. Yeah. This is genius. The yes. fact that like it f- kind of feels like Cat is fighting inside, but at the same time, it feels like a happy tear. Oh, it almost feels like a a, a realization of like 
wow, this is what I'm becoming. Yeah. You know? That's fair. I, that's how I saw it because it's tough. Because it, you said it almost feels like a happy tear, but I didn't see it as that. But also I didn't see it as a sad tear. It's just yeah. like a, wow. Yeah. You know? And it could be like in the moment type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like where your eyes just water. Yeah. And it just, you know, it just can't can't hold it yeah kind of thing it's a good touch yeah it's a fantastic touch uh because like i mean my eyes water when i get excited with things sometimes really yeah mm. like they they do they do water at sometimes and like actually they they did a few minutes ago they watered earlier because i got excited about a, spe- a specific scene so i could see that okay i okay. could see that um the phone is ringing prescott telling drake to get get the phone she does so prescott shouting at cat on how ashamed she would um she should feel telling her to look at her uh, look at her when she speaks to her drake calls for prescott into in the other room when they leave out of the room, Cat mumbles that uh, that he did. Excuse me. When they leave out of the room, Cat mumbles that he did say that he would come, that he would come and say that he was wrong, and that uh, and that excuse me, and that he will say that uh, she can live there. Rose is looking out at the two women as they chat indistinctly. They call for Rose to come out there, leaving Cat alone. Prescott asks for Rose to shovel the path between the houses. She's arguing. Uh, she's arguing about the chore. I would have been very happy to do that chore. I'd have been like, "Yes, give me the fuck out of here." Like, <laughs> uh, Prescott cutting to her, uh, um, cutting her off to mention that Gordon will be there this afternoon. So I want to ask you, sure, why do you think they sent Rose out? To shovel snow? Yeah. I think in protection. In what way? I think they knew that she was possessed. That's what I wanted to ask you. Okay. Because it, it's it's a Catholic school. Yeah. Right? So like, and these are two women that probably very much believe in that. Yeah. So for them, knowing that they probably couldn't call Father Brian, next best thing, we got to call uh, Mr. Mr. Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. So, Interesting. I, I genuinely think they they did that for protection for Rose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, I actually think they locked the door. I don't think Kat did. Interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, now we know the rumor is not true about them. Right. Right. That they don't hail Satan. No. Um, but it's interesting. I wonder if... Because in... Okay, this is actually a really good point because in a lot of movies, you may have a voice change in a character and everyone's kind of oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. But I think in, you know, with us seeing, or anyone really seeing horror films or films in general, they hear that they're like, whoa, something's fucking off right yeah, now, right? exactly. And I think these two characters are realistic. And yeah. immediately if they heard like a voice change like that, they're like, right. this motherfucker's possessed, right? right exactly. So, and, and I think they, they genuinely didn't waste any time and they called Gordon and they were like, something's wrong. You need to get the fuck yeah, over here. Especially after the follow-up of the vomit. Exactly. When saying grace. So I, I like that because most characters would be like, well, that was weird. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and I, and I do I do enjoy the follow-up, but I think that's why they have her shovel the snow okay, for cool. her protection. That's what I thought, but again, like I said, a lot of characters in in horror films a lot of the times, at least when it comes to a lot of the ones I've seen, yeah. um that's not the red flag, right? The voice change. Right. They're yeah, no, like, that's fair. Did you do you have a hiccup? Yeah. <laughs> you good? Yeah. <laughs> Rose asked what happened. Prescott telling her to shovel uh shovel it down to the earth. Um and I love that. Yeah. That whole, just the way that they talk in that They moment. want her to be occupied. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like shovel it down. Yeah. Take your do it all. Take your time. 
shovel it down. Cat is on the is um is on the bed crying as she uh, watches them from the door. Cat is outside shoveling the snow. Excuse me, not cat. Um, Rose. Rose is outside sh- out, um, shoveling the snow. Music starts playing inside the house. Cat goes back up to the door, but it, oh, I keep switching them. My bad. Rose goes back up to the door, but it is locked. She knocks on the door, but no answer. She checks the window, but she can't see anything inside. Um, Rose walks to, uh, to the dorms, going inside her room. She lies down on the bed to take a nap. Meanwhile, the state trooper's car pulls up to the school. Gordon and the ranger get out of the car. Gordon takes the ranger to Prescott and Drake's house trying to uh trying for the door but it's also it's still locked he's confused but knocks they moved uh, they move to the other side of the house but the camera stays inside turning uh turning to follow them i love this yeah i love this the, the way this is shot coming through the back of the house we see blood stains on the beam gordon and the ranger come into the house calling for prescott covering his mouth at the situation in the house cut to black as we see cat staring outside while she is in class and i love her name bob of just cat <laughs> yeah, now we get it. It's like, interesting, now we, right? Yeah, now we get it. Like we, we're getting it. Third act in yeah. the movie. Like obviously, each one of these are acts. Yeah, right. Like so, first act was Rose. Second act was Joan, and third act is now Cat. Um, jump to her making the t- make. Excuse me. Jump to her marking the day that her parents are supposed to come once again. Then her in the bathtub. The camera moves to the tile wall, showing a figure reaching out towards her. And that's when I put like this is the first time we see the shadow figure, mm-hmm. right? And and it looks like a jackal. Yeah. yeah. So, Cat is walking down the hallway using the phone. There's static on the other end. She calls for her mom and dad. A deep, distorted voice says, "Hi, baby girl." She's confused, asking who is who is she speaking with. More static. The voice saying that they're not coming and to kill the c word. I gotta say. Uh, she hangs the phone up standing there cut to all the girls in the lunchroom cat staring completely by herself Um, then her at her recital staring out yet again she goes up to she goes up on stage sitting down to play the piano transition to rose telling her again about the sisters not having hair but cat hearing her voice with more distortion and it kind of reminds me like donnie darko yeah totally yeah like it's just that muffly distort yeah. that you hear. We notice that Cat actually sees the figure in the in the corner of Rose's room as she explains. Rose leaves. Cat staying behind, caressing her photo. The phone rings. Cat hesitates for a moment before answering it. Static first. Cat then greeting his, greeting the voice. It's saying that um, she can stay there with uh, that she can stay there with her. She moves down into the furnace. In between that, Prescott is shown bloody yet still alive on the floor. Drake trying to crawl away with her wounds. Cat goes upstairs to grab some pillowcases before coming back downstairs. Cat comes back to the sisters, wielding wielding a knife over them as Prescott gasps for air. She stabs Drake multiple times in the back, even after she's dead. This is fucking brutal as oil. It is, and she's like frolicking around in the house. Yeah, she's she's having fun. Yeah, like she's having a great time right she, now. I would say carefree. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, we transition. It was like a like a Pantene commercial for her. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, we transitioned to Rose uh, t- uh, taking her school photo. Back to Rose getting up out of bed, looking at her belly in the mirror. She goes to take a shower. While she is in the stall, she uh, she wipes, thanking God and smiling, uh, smiling for it from what she sees in the toilet paper. 
Her smile fades when she hears something coming into the bathroom. She calls out to Cat, but her, hears no response. The door next to her squeaks close. She doesn't see anyone, so she checks out in the hallway, noticing the, noticing the door at the end of the hall closing. Rose goes, up, goes down the hall to open the door. She opens it, noticing something inside of a bloody pillowcase. She goes back to the hallway, Cat coming out, stabbing her multiple times in the stomach, and then her back. Oh, Rose drops to the floor twitching from the pain and in shock. Kat turns around smiling while holding the knife in her hand. She hovers over Rose's body as she takes her last breath. Kat kneels down, grabbing her head by grabbing her um her head by her hair, shedding a tear as she goes to sever her head. Whoa. And with the the zoom in Arlie. on the school school symbol of the right, that's the right. Head, yeah, right on the head. Um Really cool. Well, the Bramford, like on her, on her uh, sweater, sweater, right? Yeah, it's really cool because uh, again, another moment where after you've watched it and you revisit it, you realize why zoom in, why she's grabbing her hair, why with Prescott and Drake inside the house she grabbed the pillowcases. Yeah, you're about to find out why all that is happening and how they all line up together. Mm-hmm. Very true. Back with Gordon and the ranger trying to open the back door of Prescott and Drake's place using his key to get inside. The ranger follows the trail of blood back into the furnace um, inside the dorms. Rose, Prescott, and Drake's head are in a row in front of the furnace with Cat kneeling right next to them. Intense. Wow. And it's, it's, wow. What it's a, a fucking cool sight. shot. What a sight. Because this looks great. Also, Cat's just like, chilling. Yeah. Chilling. Chilling. Like, like I did it. Yeah. She was like, I'm done. My yeah. ritual's complete. Yeah. Like, whoa. And it's so fucking fucked. Yeah. Right? The heads are just chilling there, propped up. Nuts. That's disturbing. Nuts. It reminds me of hereditary. I was gonna say the same thing, but I, I thought it might have been a reach. But yeah. it, it it insinuates that same energy. Yeah. Right? It reminds me of that. Yeah. Very interesting. I thought the same thing. The ranger yells for her to drop the knife. She gets up, and he nervously t- tells her to drop it again. She slowly walks closer to him as he continues stammering and warning her. She holds her arms out, then over her head, and starts to chant Hell Satan. She screams out a, dem- a demonic scream, the ranger taking a shot. Cuts a fake Joan um, that we find out is now actually older cat in the back seat of the car as Bill and Linda are driving to Bramford. They pass up a sign saying that Bramford is three miles away. Linda asks Bill if she t- told cat what, um, that Rose was murdered. He tells her to stop, but she continues that she, uh, she continues that they had to, to do a blood test to see if her head matched her body. Damn. Fuck. That's traumatic, man. As That's- parents horrible yeah i can't even imagine he yells that it um that it is that is enough and she yells back for him to focus on the road they continue driving down the road quietly cat gripping her purse and asking them to pull over linda asks for him to keep going crying for him to not stop there he stops anyway how fucked up imagine this woman is just like don't stop here this is where our daughter was murdered right decapitated don't stop here right right and he's like I gotta. Yeah. This girl that we're helping needs she, to pull she over. Needs, she needs to go throw up. And how <laughs> fucked up is it that she's having this moment and the murderer yeah. of their daughter is right. literally in the car with them. Yeah. That's so twisted. Gnarly. And they're not aware. Yeah. Nuts. Fucking nuts. Fucking yeah. nuts. And I love how quick older Cat or Joan is in this moment. Yeah. 
Cat pulls out a knife, slicing Bill's throat, and then working on Linda, stabbing her repeatedly until she dies. Goddamn. Yeah, and then once she complete, vomits. She does vomit. Once complete, she throws up in the back seat. I want to put a pin on that. Yeah. And then we'll talk about it later. Let's do it. She gains her composure and works to soft soft their heads. In the back of their in, in the back of their trunk, she pulls out the suitcase, putting the heads inside the case. She tries wiping some of the blood off with napkins and um puts on some blush on her cheeks. Fades a cat younger, shackled in bed. Father Brian comes into the room, smiling at her. He comes up to her, calling her name, but she doesn't answer. She just stares at him confused. Touching her head, she um she she's looking for a sign of oh, excuse me touching her head he's looking for looking for a sign of evil cat's face changes to a sinister smile he begins an exorcism on her meanwhile we are back with the older cat dragging the heads back to the school's um dorm cut cut back and forth to the father brian putting out his tools for the exorcism and performing it and performing it he splashes holy water on her as he commands cat floats in the air and falls back down onto the bed due to her shackles seeing the figure in the corner she asks for it not to leave her, but it is gone. What an interesting thing. Older Cat is in the furnace room, dropping the suitcase to touch the furnace, fade to her, and she kind of winces too when she touches it, right? Yeah. Fade to her walking up to the snowy road. Once again, she looks back, crying while holding her mouth in the muffled uh, and to muffle her anguished cries. Her cries becoming inaudible as she holds as she holds herself. Then credits. All the pieces are put in place for me to share my theory, if that's okay. Please. So we have this moment that we just spoke about of the exorcism. Yes. And Kat says, don't leave me. Yes. I think this demon leaves Kat and says, nah, fuck this. This priest is throwing holy water on me. I'm out. (laughs) I'm done. And she's like, I want you. Yeah. Stay here. Yeah. Now my my family now. Yeah. I'm alone. You're all I have. Right. And I think she's she, trying to get that back. She welcomed this, right? She yeah. welcomed this after the passing of her parents, whether it was caused by this demon yeah. or not. This demon became her family. Yeah. And when we have moments of cat tearing while she's doing violent acts, it seems like they're one. Yeah. Now, my interpretation, and I think you and I are going to be on the same page on this. When the priests came to exercise cat, the demon left and Cat was sent to uh, a mental facility, right? Yep. And she escaped with the desire to return to the school, to the furnace. Yes. I think she wanted to reunite with this demon. And she thought to herself, this is how she'll do it. I will do the same ritual. Of course, that would make it happy. Yep. It will return to me and we'll, we will be one again. And so it just happens. Fate is on her side, right? And she runs into Bill and Linda. Yep. Rose's parents, who, with the help of this demon, she murdered and decapitated as part of a ritual to this demon. Yeah. She chuckles in the bathroom. He'll love this. Right. Right. Yeah. How could this go any yeah, better? Yeah, like, like this is great. She's able to pull off the murders. She decapitates them and she prepares to go back to the school where it all happened. And he's gone. And he doesn't come. Cat, herself alone, fully aware of who she is and being one being committed these murders. That's yep. why she vomited in the car after she killed Bill and Linda. Right. To her, it was the first time she, she killed actually someone. killed someone. Yeah. Exactly. Because before it wasn't her. Exactly. Someone was controlling, something was controlling her. Right. 
and it doesn't come back yep. and you lead to her She's being like, open on the road. Like, oh my God, I did this for nothing. Not only that, it's not coming back and no. I am alone. Yeah, you're officially alone. That's amazing to me. It's genius. Yes, it's genius. It is. And I'm right there on the same page with you. Cool. That's exactly 100% my theory. Yeah. Is that she wanted this to come back and she, it didn't. She welcomed it. Right. And like it was the fact that it moved on. Yeah. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's, it's, it She's was kind of like a breakup. Yeah. You know, and it, it was, it's like a bad breakup. Yeah. Where she wanted to go back to it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so fascinating. Not only that, it could be that she not only welcomed it out of loneliness, but uh, as an escape. Yeah. Maybe the reality of losing her parents was just too much. And you right. see that black coated figure in the beginning of the film walk up to the car to show the death of maybe she only had a mother. Right? Maybe. Maybe she didn't have a father. Maybe she didn't have this, a dad at all. This creature will say, you want a, you want a dad? You want a parent? I right. could be it. Right? Yeah. Um, but who knows? Maybe it put her, it created this situation of her parents' loss to create a state of vulnerability to right. be able to gain entry Yeah, in her. Very true. And she liked it. She enjoyed that. It was an escape maybe. Yeah. So interesting. Insane. And that I think... I think I've changed to like I like this movie. I respect it. It could have been my cup of tea. I think it is my cup of tea. Yeah, I think it's a it's a new flavor that I wasn't really <laughs> aware that I loved. Yeah, um, that's fair. This film is great. I love it. It's good. Yeah, especially it, as it, we it, go through it. Very very well done. Yeah, very well done. I I don't think I'm still in love with it. Yeah, but I do enjoy this movie, and I do plan on watching it more times. Yeah, I I love. I love the theory crafting that goes behind it and what it allows you to really interpret and experience, right? Because yeah. it's it's. I had said in the beginning of the episode that I wanted I wanted to keep watching more. I wanted to see more out of it. Um, I think it gave the perfect amount. Yeah, because it allows me to keep thinking about it to interpret what was there and not yeah. told to me. I agree. And that's fascinating. I agree. This movie was just. This movie fucking rules. Yeah, it does. Like, this, this movie's really great really acting good. too. Fantastic, yeah. absolutely. Like it's mind boggling how good the acting is. Totally. But I got some movie facts for us. Movie facts. <gasps> the week all of Emma Roberts' outdoor scenes were filmed was the coldest weather in recorded history in Canada's capital city. Oh damn! So she yeah, didn't she look was that cold. She didn't. She looked like she belonged there. <laughs> the Bradford is also the name of the notorious apartment building in Ira Levin, uh, Levin's novel and the film Rosemary's Baby. Oh snap! Yeah, that's that's a good uh, nod. Yeah, which Guy and Rosemary move into. Yeah, uh, it took nearly seventeen months to get an official USA release by A twenty four after playing at numerous film festivals. Did it ever hit theaters? I don't think so. Maybe, maybe super I mean, what, small. Circuit. I mean, with the, you said it was like box office was like 38K. Yeah. So I doubt it. Yeah. Right? Like super low. Um, when Emma Roberts read the script, she couldn't sleep afterwards because it scared her so much. Who? Yeah. That's, that's a, that's, that's pretty fun nice to hear. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty nice. Uh, the, the directorial debut of Oz Perkins. This oh, is really? His directorial debut. His first film. I had no idea. Yeah. Because uh, you know who Oz Perkins is, though the son of um, Norman Bates in. Oh really? Yeah, that's his son. I'm blanking on his name, but his last name is obviously Perkins. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's his son, which is so fascinating because um, 
I think he was gay. Oh, really? Yeah. And he had like secret relationships and stuff like that. Oh, damn. I didn't yeah. know that. So it was so fascinating. And I could be completely butchering that. Okay. Uh, but I do I do know for a fact that he he was he was gay. Um, but the Horror Queers has a fantastic episode on this with uh, Psycho 3 is where they cover this. And they, they go very in-depth in his life. And it's it's extremely fascinating. Go check it out. Um, writer and director Osgood Perkins in his um, horror royalty. He, oh, here we go. Uh, he is the son of Anthony Perkins, the there actor who was, who was best known for playing Norman Bates in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, as well as its three sequels. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. Um, let's see. Let's, let's, get a, let's get a good one. You know what? Fuck it. Let's get this body count. Body <laughs> count eight. Rose, Rose's parents, Linda and Bill, Miss Prescott, Mrs. Drake, Cat's parents off screen, um, and Joan Marsh off screen. As as the twist in the film is that Joan and Cat are the same person at a different age, nine years apart. After escaping the asylum, Cat killed a woman off screen and stole her identi- identification info and alias, which was Joan Marsh, which we knew. Love that body count. Love the body count. Uh, also, February is also the month of Emma Roberts' birthday. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so good on that. that That's was the best awesome movie fact. That is the best movie fact. Oh, this is fascinating. Emma Roberts, Kiernan Shipka, and Lucy um, Boyton have all collaborated with Ryan Murphy. Um, Roberts was in American Horror Story um, and Scream Queens. Ship- Shipka was in Feud, and Boyton was in The Politician. That's, That's really, cool. really cool. Yeah, Ryan Murphy does some some fun things. American Horror Story is fun and all that shit, I guess. But let us know on Twitter what you think about the Black Coats daughter because I want to definitely keep this conversation going. I want to know. <laughs> like, I definitely want to keep talking about this movie. I could talk about it for so much longer, which we're probably going to do in the post show. Yeah, um, but yes, let us know over on Twitter at Nightlight underscore pod. Let's keep this conversation going. Um, the next movie that we are going to be covering is a bit of a doozy. So if this is your first time watching this, um, watch something happy afterwards. That's the only thing I can give. Uh, but the next movie we are going to be watching is Eden Lake, which I watched for the first time fairly recently. And oh, damn. I am very nervous to jump into it again. But now that I know what's going on, I'm actually I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more prepared to be broken again but this was nightlight or movie podcast i was one of your hosts prince also known as head knight and alongside me we had david stay spoopy everyone stay in spoopy also known as nightly our efforts to get the show out is not enough we need your help to spread us out to more coolish nights rating us with five stars is very helpful but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it you can further support the show over on patreon.com forward slash connect life that night with a what <laughs> by pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad free and as early as Monday with a post show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight. <laughs>